Hey folks, if you've seen any of the great merch we have lately, we've got Witch Police shirts, we've got bags, we've got more gear on the way. That's all made by our friends at Divine Shirt Company. Whether it's screen printing or embroidery, heat press vinyl or graphic design, Divine Shirts is the place to go for your band merch. They've been doing some of the best stuff from the best bands in Winnipeg and beyond. And if you're looking to get some merch made, head over to divineshirtcompany.ca or follow them on Instagram and tell them which police radio sent you. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. Uh, it's interesting because you know over the course of uh, when when I started doing these podcasts remotely because the pandemic forced us to, I remember feeling like okay, this is a temporary inconvenience, and I think that the guest on this episode was one of the first people I talked to in that format last year. And at the time, it seemed like oh, this sucks, but you know at least soon we'll be able to meet people in person. And this is your second time on the show. We're talking about a totally different project, and we're still not able to actually. Uh, be in the same room so i'm glad to have you back on the show of course and i'm very interested in talking to you about uh, what you've got going on now but i think the best way to start all of this off is if you want to introduce yourself and maybe give a bit of background about what it is you're doing now musically okay well my name is mike uh i, I recorded an album called star thistle and i recorded i called the album the best of star thistle uh which is a bit like you know sort of announcing your arrival upon the scene and then immediately announcing your retirement. <laughs> right, right, um, right. I uh, previously have recorded music under the name Uncle Sinner, uh, which is a sort of different project that is more about revising uh, American traditional folk music, uh, editing it, um, and going for a sort of dark folk blues yeah. feel, where, whereas this project, Star Thistle, is, is more in the indie folk uh, vein you know it's it's just me stretching out more as a songwriter and breaking a little bit uh freer from those traditions although of course they still continue to inform the music well and you still sound like you but it, it, the style, stylistically it's definitely different um was this always intended to be a separate project or when you were writing these songs were they intended to be uncle Sinner songs originally no, it was always um, supposed to be a separate project. In fact, when Uncle Center first started, um, like when I first started considering releasing music, yeah, uh, I had, I think, three of the songs that are on this album, uh, mo- but most of them have been written in the last ten years, and okay. so I had more, ma- I had more material uh, to release as Uncle Center, and I had a sense that um, that the two genres didn't necessarily gel that well i mean there are going to be people who like both um but there will be people who only sort of like the the dark health stomp of uncle sinner and uh can't for the life of them figure out why he's sealing, singing about his goddamn feelings yeah. right yeah where did the emotions you know? come from yeah except for yeah. sadness right yeah 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 like and then you know just fans leaving by the droves <laughs> um i did actually sneak a couple of star thistle songs onto the last uncle sinner record so like into grace was a banjo tune it was a very personal song um and uh, our little things for vic chestnut those were both conceived to be 
Force Star Thistle. Okay. Um, I just sort of got impatient and decided to put them out to see if anyone would listen to them. And <laughs> like the reviewers like them, but I mean those those aren't the, the songs that get the uh, a lot of hits on on Spotify. Sure. Well, like <laughs> you said, people want the dark sludgy stuff, right? They're they're looking for that kind yeah. of uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the people who want like indie folk, um, sort of more poetic lyrics, more obviously poetic uh, lyrics. Sure, they're not they're not necessarily going to hear about Uncle Sinner. You know that. So I didn't want to alienate my Uncle Sinner fans, and I sort of wanted to tip people off that this was going to be a different sound. Uh, although, uh, like you said, still sounding very much like myself. I mean, still. I can't do anything about my voice at this point. Yeah, you are, yeah. you're either you're either gonna like it or it's you're you're gonna kill every person in the room to get away from it. <laughs> right, right. But at least this is maybe more. Maybe you'll be less murderous because the songs are maybe a little bit uh, less less. They're 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 brighter. They're not as uh, depressing, right? So I mean, that murderous rage might be contained a little bit by people who don't like your voice. I actually think that. This album contains my most depressing. Song. Really? Okay. I maybe sonically. Yeah. <laughs> sonically, it's brighter. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Sonically, it's brighter for sure. Um, but there's a couple. There's a couple there on this album that are pretty fucking sad. Uh, <laughs> but you know, well, that's, that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I mean, that's what you know. You being more emotional on the record, that's one of the emotions, right? Is you, you can't you can't be all you know, rainbows and sunshine. Yeah. And I, I do try to sing uh, differently sometimes. Like on some of the songs, I try and sing around my vocal damage, you right, know, right. and just try and like you know try and get a balance between like the the burr that wants to come out and the um, and like a softer sound that that I can get if I'm sort of concentrating on it more. Right. Well, that burr sound—it's very distinctive, right? I mean, you have, you have a like I said, you sound like you. Yeah, yeah, you could call it a burr. You could call it a croak. I don't know. Right, right, something. right. <laughs> <laughs> Is it difficult now? Now that you have this record and you're, you're you're you have this new persona, basically, you know, a star thistle. Is it difficult, sort of, relaunching from scratch? Because I mean, like, you know, like you said, you have a built up an audience as Uncle Sinner. You have an, a few records out. You have a fan base, and this is basically, you know, a different name. You're sort of, it's like a whole new, a whole a whole new almost artist right so is it difficult to launch that or are you hoping that some of the uncle sinner fans will pick up on the fact that it's you and sort of wander over into this indie folk sort of territory yeah it has been a bit difficult to launch um i have i'm really lucky to have between 12 and 24 uncle sinner fans and they'll sort of <laughs> they'll they'll buy whatever i do uh, right. under any name um but in terms of like spreading the word to a larger audience there are, the, the uncle center songs that get the most hits are are definitely the stompiest ones right uh, i mean i do put more melodic ones on there because that's what i want to yeah. hear like i want to hear a balance but um you know with St spotify people just tend to put make up playlists and you know like here's a playlist of like hell death stomp yeah and uh, and that's and that's what people hear so it's um yeah, I mean not every Uncle Sinner fan is gonna is gonna like Star Thistle and it, and it's hard to get the word out. Like I we've done me and me and Dylan, my son, have done a, a, a more targeted campaign this time in terms of like doing a proper one sheet press release okay. with like links to all the songs and uh I think I sent it to you. You actually. did, yeah. Yep. And um 
and all that. I mean, I, there hasn't been a lot of take up on it. Uh, and there's a place called, there's a site called Submit Hub where you can, you pay money to, to see if someone wants to, like, it's like a buck, right? Okay. But, you know, for you pay a buck for them to listen to your song. And, uh, and yeah, there was, there's one blog, uh, Adobe and Teardrops, who, uh, who did a write-up on one of the songs. Um, but it's, you know, it's a lot of rejection. And that, and a lot of it is just like, yeah, like everyone has their own reasons for rejecting something. I mean, sometimes it's just like, yeah, the melody wasn't doing it for me. Or yeah. it's like, yeah, something about your voice is like interesting, but I don't like it. Yeah, yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> I, I, that's definitely a thing, right? Yeah, it's, it, well, that's a... I imagine the pandemic's got something to do with it as well. Like people are at home and they're being bombarded with music uh, just yep. from everywhere because everyone's just making it and they can't go anywhere with it, right? <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. So your timing um, is not great to release this, launch this new sort of uh, you know second uh, career as an artist right in the middle of a pan- global pandemic. Or maybe it's the perfect timing, right? Like maybe maybe what I really needed was for the, to finally release these personal songs so that they can truly fail. <laughs> I mean, just just to cut me down uh, a little bit. No, but I mean that's a joke. Yeah, but, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When when I was younger, like if I had put out uh, an album of really personal songs, and uh, and it failed to reach a, a large larger audience it probably would have it would have hurt me more i don't really expect uh much i've i've sort of embraced that you know i like i like what i do and there's some people who like what i do and a lot of people aren't gonna like it but that's that's all right i mean you know it's that's the way she goes yeah If I am the flatlands, you're the sea Touch me here on my chest This is where you're leaking into me Yes, you are my woman, I'm your man Show me what you want and I will show you what I understand Solitary songbird sings advice Freeze the restless moon in the green river ice
desire light a fire and you bring me a broken hand for a broken hand a sudden open possibility no guarantees let's turn it around let's own this town let's step off the edge and feel the pleasure Sinking, sinking, sinking down A rumbling in your ear to entice Build a home with me in the green river ice Once, once, if things get better in terms of you know shows being able to happen, things like that, are you hoping to play some shows as Star Thistle? Like, is this going to become a, a touring thing as well? That's a good question. Um, and it was only a couple of weeks ago that I, I really thought about how artists even get shows, um, because for the for the most part, that's eluded me. Although I, you know, I get the odd invite from places like there was a festival in Wisconsin that invited me, me to play as Uncle Sinner and then there was a guy in Belgium that invited me to play but I think what it is and this had never occurred to me was that like you get on somebody's tour as as their opening act and the way that the way that you do that is not necessarily by kissing their ass but rather which was wasn't a strategy I tried, <laughs> right, right. Um, but I think you have you know you get a booking agent and maybe you know your you, the booking agent tries to like pair you up with their like main acts if they think that you have promise. Yeah. So uh, I don't think I'll probably be getting a booking agent. I'm pretty independent for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you know I, I would play shows. I mean, if I had fans, I'd play shows. But like. No one's heard of me in Regina and Calgary and Vancouver, or you yeah. know, if they have, like, that—that's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Because I, you know, I, I fly pretty low under the radar, um, so you know, I, you can book a venue, but if no one's heard of you, then they're not going to you know, show up. Yeah. Not much point to it. But there's. You know, if if it doesn't become a live act thing, that's that's all right because recording is its own medium. It's more like painting in right. that you can you can layer things and arrange things. And, and as I've gone on, even with Uncle Sinner, uh, but definitely with Star Thistle, you know, the arrangements have gotten more and more involved. Uh, some people like that. Some people like that less right like there's always going to be some people who like your first album best because that's it's most raw right like those those are the tracks where i was like barely aware that i was being recorded and it's just <laughs> like me 
me and a banjo or me and a slide guitar, uh, you know, minimal overdubs. And, and yeah. it's more like a live uh, setting. The thing is, like, you, you release those records and, you know, if you're probably going to listen to them, even if even if they're your own records, and you you start to think about how you could like build on that and, and how you can sort of do better. So they do become they don't have to, but they they can become less raw, and they become you know like with a painting. If you don't like a certain color, you can you can change it and tweak it. So I think of recording as more like you know can canvas and oil uh a live show is more like it's more like ice dancing right <laughs> where you, you know it could be incredibly graceful but there, at, at any moment the person could completely fall on their ass yep. you know the possibilities for humiliation in a live show uh exist and that's part of what makes it exciting unless the person is such a con- consummate professional that you have every confidence that they're going to uh, make every note that they intend to make. And yeah. I don't know. I'm less drawn to that. Like I sort of like watching people who, uh, who you know, you sort of lean in and you're like, are they going to make it? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my God, they're pulling it off. Yeah. <laughs> you're waiting for like a, the, the string to fall off in the middle of a solo or something, right? It's 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 imminent. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like I had a friend. I have a friend named Aaron in Toronto. Back when I was learning banjo, when I was about nineteen. Uh, he would watch my hands and like I used to get performance anxiety that's that's gotten better with age right and just exposure yeah but he said like like I could see your like hands shaking and I'm like he's not gonna make the riff but then he makes the riff it's like I can't stop watching <laughs> so it's like the so train wreck um, kind of it, uh, yeah 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 I know but it creates a bit of suspense and also <laughs> um, you know when you're live sometimes you stretch out and you you know you're improvising sure i don't i don't ever want to sing something exactly the same as it was sung on the album uh i don't understand anyone why anyone would want to hear that well it's boring because you can listen to it at home and it's been produced properly and everything right you're not gonna yeah yeah yeah. you need the element of danger yeah yeah and you know if if people have uh, seen like I've done a bunch of free live streams on Instagram, and um, chances are, like if I've played a song, I, I'm I've messed with it, you know, since the yeah. time I've recorded it. Do you uh, um? Do you think that you know? I, I think when we first talked um, last year, the first thing I asked you is like, where the hell did you come from? Because I think, like you're saying, you're very underground, you're very independent. Do you think that this kind of music you're playing with the Start Thistle project, does it have the potential to open you up to a wider audience? Because what you're doing before was very niche. I mean, there's definitely a, a fan base for that stuff. But, I mean, the, the, the stompier, darker, you know, uh, I think called it Death Country, that mm-hmm. that has its own small niche for sure, right? But, I mean, you're playing indie folk music. That's a, a much larger tent of potential listeners. Do, do you have any hopes that this will kind of not, not make you famous or anything, but... but break you into maybe a, a wider audience than the people who are already listening to you now I don't think it will um, I mean I, it would be it, of course it would be lovely if, if that happened Yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to you know sabotage my, <laughs> my own project uh, by, by, by saying these things but um, like so with Uncle Sinner you know that's a niche genre and, and 
and that's how I managed to get so many streams on Spotify is just right. being part like if people are looking for a certain sound there's only so many people who are who are producing that and sound. you're one of those guys yeah 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 so I like you know over a hundred thousand streams a year you know I, I I do all right on the Spotify um what do you get from that like in a buck? The, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I got about six hundred bucks. Okay, that's actually way way better than that. Yeah, because I, I always yeah. assume Spotify pays like next to nothing. But anyway, sorry, go on, go on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so but indie folk and specifically, you know, trying to be a good songwriter is just a, such an impossibly large arena with so many impossibly talented people. Sure. And so you're now competing with literally well well with with so many more people and so it, it's so much harder to get um exposed to get someone to say oh this is special enough that i want to write a review about it um it's it's tricky uh, and uh, i mean it, it could it could be good i mean yeah. who knows but uh you know, I'm I'm getting on in years, and uh, mostly this was just something that I really wanted to do uh, because these songs are all important to me. And uh, you know, with COVID uh, uh, and the goddamn dysphoria, <laughs> dystopia, <laughs> sorry that we live in. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you never know like how much time you got. So I'm like, sure. oh, I better make this better make this album. I don't know how much time I got. Right, right. Um, well, that's, a, that's so, I guess, a unique reason to, to put it a record. I don't think I've heard that before. I've had a lot of interviews on here, and people have given me countless reasons why they've made an album, but that's 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 a new one. I like that. But it makes sense, though, right? I mean, so you have these songs in you. You have, presumably, the time to put them out now to, to actually work them when maybe you wouldn't have yeah. pre-pandemic, right? And I've gotten better in terms of um, learning how to record, learning how to mix. I mean, Dylan helps me with the mixing a little bit, but I do, like, the, the first go around and yeah, yeah. We, we sort of tweak from there um, and uh, I completely forgot what I was going to say
girl came down with the sickness. The river's daughter cried out for water. She said, "Don't you wanna quit this?" While I was sinking, while I was sinking. My girl gave me a warning. Sharpen your tune, make your peace with the moon. If you wanna make it up to the morning, while I was sleeping, while I was sleeping. And while the sun burned up in the air, and I closed my eyes, that moon was everywhere. That moon was everywhere. That moon was everywhere. That moon was everywhere. Yeah, I find it interesting that you talk about.、Um Wanting to get people to review it, and as someone who reads lots of music reviews, I, I definitely agree with you. That's where I, I hear about a lot of stuff, and that's where I've always heard about a lot of stuff that I want to get into. I mean, there's bands that some bands that are now among my favorites that I first discovered by reading a record review like 25 years ago or whatever. But do you think that that's still the way most people do it? I mean, I, I realize I'm kind of out of touch with how you know the youth listen to music, and I don't know if your your stuff is necessarily targeted to the youth. But do you know what I mean? Like,、right. is that is that Style of kind of getting known by people interpreting your work to their audience. Do you think that's still the way that it happens, or is it now all about these weird algorithms and shit that you know no human、It's, being can understand? There are certain places where if they review your album, you know, Pitchforks is still pretty powerful.、Right. Uh, I assume people still read the AV Club and Consequence of Sound and stuff like that.、Um, But a lot of it comes from like influential playlisters, which is a, a、right. new thing, right? These are people who don't have to write anything; they just sort of they're professional taste makers. Yeah,、um, and、uh, those are people that you can also you know spend a buck、uh, on Submit Hub and, and submit your stuff to them, and they usually sort of tell you what genres they're into. Okay,、um, so I think that's. There's that, and there's just good old-fashioned word of mouth,、um, which, which is mostly how Uncle Sinner spread. Yeah,、uh, I did get a, I did get a couple of reviews, and it helped that I was on a a label for my first record,、um, because that immediately, at least in two thousand and eight, would get you noticed. I don't know that being on a record label now. Gets I don't know if it even matters anymore. Yeah, it's it's so, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, if you have any tips, let me know. No, I don't. No, I stopped playing events. <laughs> I stopped playing events like 15 years ago. Yeah, no, I, I got nothing. Nothing for you. This is why I talk to other people so they can tell me how to do it. So in case I ever try to try to start it up again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I mean, some part of it is you have to be good. Good. You have to be really good to stand out.、Um, sure.、Well, especially now. Especially now. That's what I was going to talk about. Is that it's like, it's the, it's the feast of the internet. Right、uh, versus the famine of you know 
pre MP3s yeah. like going to record stores like ear it's so much harder to to get popular because anyone can get on Spotify yeah uh, just through like an independent <clears throat> aggregator an aggregator is someone who will help put your money up on Spotify in exchange for a cut of the profits yeah um, well, and so now you're so, not competing just with the the really good stuff that that's in the record store. You're competing with all of that and everyone and their dog who decided to make a record in the same category in their basement, and it could be terrible, but it's all just crowding the the scene now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I try and think about how I learn about uh, artists, and you know. I mean, my brother uh, lives in Australia. He sends me stuff that he thinks I'd be interested in. Oh, like, cool. uh, he got me into uh, the band Big Thief. Uh, Adrian Linker is the songwriter. Um, you know, stuff like Iron and Wine. Um, my son gets me into things like uh, there's a songwriter in Colorado named Gregory Allen Isakov. Um, he ended up sort of being a an influence on cool. you know a number of the songs on the album so so I, i'm lucky to have people in my life that uh are enough in tune with the music scene because i'm not really out there trawling the internet for for a great songwriter or, or anything like that they just uh they just end up at my door and it's always so nice when you when you hear something and it's puts you in someone else's skin for a little while and it and it puts a stamp uh on 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 an emotional state where you you know you it was sort of going through you and around yeah. you and you couldn't make it on your own and and a really good song can just sort of freeze time for me or 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 transport me through time so i mean I spend a lot of time listening to music these days, especially in the pandemic. Yeah, um, yeah, me too. I, uh, I mean, I spent the pandemic living alone in my house, and I mean, I had to put out an album again because <laughs> I needed, I needed something to do over the winter. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so that was another reason to make the make the album. And all, and of course, like you know, to, so that I could go on Witch Police Radio again. Because of course, yeah. at least. At least once a year, I want to be able to see your mad, bearded face uh, <laughs> well, smiling at me. You're welcome anytime, man. Yeah, it's good. I'm glad, glad, glad to have you on here again. Um, so we just said about the, uh, you know, what a song can do and, and the emotional impact it can have. When you have those kind of experiences with, with a really good song or, uh, or a really good album even, is it are, are you getting that from more so the, the lyrics or is it... The combination, like, can you have a can you have a record that has phenomenal lyrics and still feel the same emotions from it if the music sucks? What percentage, no. I guess, do you need no. of both sides, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm a wordy fellow, um, and so I mean, I I have actually purchased books of poetry uh, in in the last year. I, I have also so, done that. Yep, yep. Yeah. yeah. So uh, and, and and I'm not. You know, and I'm not trying to publish books of poetry. I just buy them when when someone's really good. There's a poet in Toronto named Eva HD. Okay, uh, she's really she's really good. I heard her poem on that uh, new Charlie Kaufman movie. I'm thinking of ending things. Okay, yeah, yeah. That, the the bone dog. Uh, that's her poem. Um, so so lyrics are really important to me. 
Um, and I'm fairly, I guess, middle of the road in terms of music. Like, I can't handle a lot of uh, dissonance. I mean, I do sometimes. I mean, I, I enjoy, like, Tom Waits' Rain Dogs and yeah, Swordfish yeah. Trombones. Um, but, you know, if it gets too jazzy, like, I sort of just hear the major scale and the blues scale in my head. And, and, I think there's a real art to writing a uh, three or four chord song that doesn't that sounds new, right? right. Because right. I mean, a jazz person will say, "Oh, you know, they're all just they like they think they can predict, you know, where the song is going to go and all that." But it's it's more about the combination and and there's just endless variations on those three or four chords or five chords if yeah. you want to get really fancy. Well, that's the punk rock um, thing, though, right? The three chords and the truth. That's that's all you need for a song, right? It's three chords and the yeah. truth. And the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, um, if the if if the music's really good, and the words are sort of okay, that that's all right for you know driving or whatever. Yeah. Um, but the stuff that really slays me, and that I end up like listening to over and over again to the point where like I'm afraid to listen to it on Spotify because I'm going to think it's going to be judging me for listening <laughs> to the same song over and yeah, over again yeah. um, like there are songs that have really what I consider to be strong l- lyrics I mean it's all subjective of course um, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I tend to like a certain folky sound um, it's just it's not surprising. It's just what I, that's what I. It's what I grew up with. Uh, you know, starting with when I was you know sixteen and got into Bob Dylan and yeah. uh, Leonard Cohen and people like that. Joni Mitchell, all very Farron. wordy people. Yeah, Farron uh, from. Uh, I mean, she was born in Ontario, but she she was she moved out to BC uh, early on. She was just she is an incredible songwriter that a lot of people haven't heard of because she was also very very independent because she was very open about her sexuality in okay. the 70s when nobody was uh, right, right. Uh, out like that so uh, her stuff had a big in- influence on me even though I can't write a Farron song I, right. I appreciate the attention to detail that she put in every word and I try not to have any any throwaway lines or forced rhymes uh, in, in my songs. When I was 16, I couldn't get enough to give it for free. I was green smoke and ash. A calculated crash Savor of the trash in a breaking home Sideways and sly and Dead ends alive The snake in springtime alive My face is not frozen in time It has correction lines 
How long does it take you to write lyrics? I mean, if, you, if you're focusing on that 
I mean, you know, I, I imagine a lot of people turn out lyrics like like there's no tomorrow and just here's a song done I, I get the feeling that you put a bit more time into that and, and it's <laughs> especially because you've been talking about the process of recording and the amount of work you can do on, on perfecting it and things like that like are you a perfectionist when it comes to the lyrics fitting in the exact spots they're supposed to fit and, and, and the rhymes being you know like do you do you labor over the, the words or is it sort of a finished product once you've got it out of your head and onto a page um I mean, it's going to depend on the song. Like the the the, the oldest song I wrote on a bar napkin <laughs> while I was like a bartender. That's uh, a song called Hesitation Blues. I mean, I wrote that as early as '96. Okay, um, but that's by far, by far the oldest song. Uh, generally, now the the process, like some songs, there's only one song on the album where I started with a riff, and that's Green River Ice, where I was just like playing along on the guitar and then i just realized that that could be a song okay but in terms in terms of the lyrics i tend to carry them around um you know there's a song called correction lines and uh i in the last verse i say you know i guess my grief is now a man and that was like that's a line that i've i i, I thought of when it had been 18 years since my mom had passed okay and and like I thought of that line seven years ago, but I only wrote the song three years ago. So sometimes I carry, not in a book or anything, but just you know uh, things in my head. A lot of the songs I will write, they start out as poems. So the first uh, the first song starting over was just a free verse poem, okay. and then I start to see like little internal rhymes and ways that I which I can shifted if, if I think I can make it into a song sometimes I can't make it into a song but um, uh, I, I think generally so there's a couple that started as poems and then the ones where I know I'm writing a song I will I will kind of sweat over them and, and tweak them uh, over over the bit and but you know because this is a best of album uh, and, right. and some of the songs are uh, you know, they're, most of them are there's about four of them that were written in the last two or three years and uh, but some of the older ones you know that I wrote in my 30s for example um, if you hear a line enough times you know you're, you're eventually going to figure out what's not working in it right right and so that gave me uh, kind of an opportunity um to make these make this album as good as it could be because you know there are some fairly classic songs where i just listen to it and i think yeah this song is really good except for this one line like and but you know the performers kind of stuck singing that line because that's you know unless there are performers who truly don't care and will will revise their uh lyrics you know 10 Dylan years after the a, fact yeah 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 exactly he yeah. wrote tangled up in blue in 86 but then sort of reverted back but tangled up in blue has always been changing right um so yeah it was just an opportunity to uh to to see what worked and what didn't work i mean obviously i've had less time with the more recent ones so there's you know greater possibility that there's there's some clunkers in those <laughs> but uh, you know we'll see 
Where can people hear this stuff? I mean, you know, I think that uh, obviously the Uncle Sinner fans know where to find you online and they, they've heard your those records, but for someone who is new to you in general or new to this side of you, what's the best way to, to hear this music? I, you know, I just go to Spotify um, if, you, if you have or Apple Music or whatever uh, streaming platform. I mean, that's fine. Having lots of people streaming your um, your music will actually help you know, get shows. Right. If you if you are the type to download music, then I have a Bandcamp site, and uh, you can. I, I it's just pay as pay if you feel like it. Right. right. You know, sort of thing. Yeah. And um, and I I did. I'm doing a limited run of 200 CDs, which is probably about 150 more than I need. But <laughs> uh, you know, but you know, when you put limited on it, and and I I'm here day on which police radio to say under in there is no world in which i'm going to have any more cds made like right promise has been made you know i didn't make any promises about vinyl if if the album does really well you know then i would be delighted to put it out yeah on that'd vinyl. be cool yeah but uh vinyl requires a, a substantial capital investment and uh, you know you have to get at least 200 or so records made yeah. and uh, get get it remastered for vinyl because it's uh, I mean remastering for vinyl from my guy is only another 300 bucks so that's no big deal but it's it's a lot of money to do um, especially if you're not doing like a bulk run of like a thousand records yeah. well and so if you're you not touring it. with it or anything either right you're not you don't have the opportunity to sell it hand yeah. to hand at shows and stuff like that yeah yeah and then like uh, and then you're sending it out in these big like cardboard mailers that uh, I mean I guess that's recyclable and all that but, uh, <laughs> there's that there's that yeah for just, sure, for sure. Just, just seems like a pain in the ass I don't know where you get the cardboard things I don't know either it's a good question actually I should get some record company person on here and just like where do you get those cardboard things what's, yeah what's the source no, there are, I mean I have I have musician friends I can ask yeah I yeah suppose, but yeah. Uh, if, it, if it comes to that if if, if the album becomes uh, popular then then I will look into vinyl because you know people always ask about vinyl sure, and, yeah. um, they just don't necessarily know the logistics of the thousands of dollars yeah. uh, that that takes i mean and i could do that i just I, I think it would i think it would be sort of sad to be sitting on 200 unsold records i mean it's <laughs> i mean the the cd's are a limited run of 200 but i only had 100 made like you know chances are i won't have to you know, ever get that high? Yeah. I, I'm giving away my secrets here, aren't I? You are. I've probably yeah. given up way too much, and so now all the people who are like going to be uh, lured in by the limited edition. Yeah, I'll tell you what I'll do though. You've ruined it. You, you... <laughs> in every with every CD, I will include a non fungible token, right? <laughs> so like you, everyone will get like a hand drawn like Uncle Sin, uh, sorry Star Thistle right. uh, self portrait, right? Or a picture of a goat or. Uh, picture of a, a smoking chicken or, or something and those are will of course be extremely valuable uh at some point in the future once uh i mean you have you have to assume those <laughs> yeah. yeah it's gonna be the next dog coin <laughs> Spent last summer with her 
50 and I was certified a bona fide partner with the hesitation blues. Singing, how long are you gonna wait? How long you gonna hesitate? Spent last fall doing not much at all Impersonating patience with the hesitation blues A wasted time fighting isolation And courting dragomuffins with the hesitation blues Singing how long, how Boastful man in a red rocking chair Soliloquizing on the hesitation blues He pours himself another glass of silence And whips himself over the hesitation blues Singing how long am I gonna wait How long am I gonna hesitate? How long? How long? 